What's good, internet? And welcome to session 13 of Super GG Radio. <gasps> the unlucky one. A podcast where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I'm your host, Alex Arona, and with me this week is my new co-host, Eric Gettinger. Hey, Getty. Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me back. I guess I haven't gotten this deplatformed from anywhere yet. Not yet, but we'll see if it takes. This week, we'll discuss the state of play in Nintendo Direct. Hey, wait, I think you forgot someone. Tank some grid-based strategy with Into the Breach. Guys, not funny. And end with a review of Metal Gear Kevin and another fun round of Indie or Outie. Okay, Getty, what do you got on Early Adopter this week? Well... I played Neocab! Oh, hey, Joel. Well, uh, we'll get to you in a second. (laughs) Getty, what have you been playing? I played some Backbone Prologue. Oh, okay. I touched a little bit on this one as well. What did you think? I really enjoyed how dark it was. Now, it's a pretty gritty game. Looking at a noir element, you're a detective. You just trying to live your life. This A pixel detective. Oh, is it a pixel detective? I thought he looked like a raccoon. Pixel. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pixel, but you play as a raccoon detective. So you're going about your business, lady shows up at your door, and she's got a mystery to solve. That mystery is her husband. She wants to figure out what he's been doing. He's sleeping around. Uh, As as they do in these noir films. Yeah, she's just concerned about him. She hires a private eye to follow the private eye. Mm. No, I don't don't think he's a private eye. No. No. He's a banker. Yeah, he's a banker. He's a... He's a banker of sorts, but what is he really banking? That's the mystery. Private eyes are banking things. Sometimes, but not always. Mm. So this is a point-and-click adventure game that has a lot of interesting dialogue choices that can lead to some some varying possibilities as far as progressing the story. Oh yeah, I almost fist-fought a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're clear... It is a it's it's a gritty detective noir game with pixel art that uh, everybody is anthropomorphic animals or people is it anthropomorphic people. Oh, that's one for the experts. This is the alternate reality where Fox made Zootopia instead of Disney. Mm, yes. Yeah, pretty much. It does lead to some interesting like like some fun scenarios and a nightclub that only serves dogs and cats, so it gives you a little bit of like animal racism and also drugs such as catnip or monkey butt yeah monkey this, butt. this all this all lines up with zootopia so far <laughs> i feel like that's great yeah didn't see a lot of monkey butt in zootopia you weren't looking hard enough yeah <laughs> you don't have kids <laughs> um this the it was a beta test uh demo for the first hour and it had a lot of nice noir touches a loading screen that's a cigarette burning down thought that was kind of funny yeah i fell in love with the music and how much it scared me it did get kind of scary at certain points when you're investigating crime scenes and sneaking around i felt like it was extremely just kept me on the edge of my seat even when i wasn't doing anything dangerous yeah do you guys mind describing what the actual gameplay is like i you know it sounds like there's a lot of mood and atmosphere that's kind of appealing but I'm, i'm a little more curious about how you actually play it's a, a point-and-click adventure game, and throughout you have to uh, interact with people, and, and certain people, and objects, 
to con- connect the dots to figure out these uh, scenarios. So, for instance, there's a situation where you think the guy you're trying to figure out and follow is in a nightclub. Okay. You go to the you go to the bouncer. He only lets cats and dogs in. So, in that situation, you're not allowed in. So, you have to figure out a way to get in that nightclub. And there is, I think, three or four ways you can get in. Huh. Um, Solving small puzzles, basically. Yeah. Okay. But movement is based on your A and your D keys on the keyboard, and uh, there's a little bit of element of point and click at some parts, but for the the majority, you're going up to items, and you have to hold that E down real Mm -hmm. hard. It was acting up on me on a couple of the trickier parts of the game. I kept getting caught where I wasn't supposed to be because I Mm. wasn't holding down E hard enough. Yeah, there's there's some sneaking sections. What I liked was the puzzles. Uh, we only saw one or two, but they had uh, puzzles where, in the one example at the end, you had several photographs in front of you and then also cards that were the size of the photographs with uh, shapes cut out. And you had to line up the right photo with the right shape and it would give you uh, a key on a keypad, like a number. And, and then you found out how to do this uh, keypad puzzle. That was as puzzly as it got, in my opinion. Well, I, again, with the first hour, we don't know how long the game is, is the prologue. But if there's more of that, that'd be a lot of fun, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, overall, I, I, I'm excited to see how this goes. I think a good, I think I would probably stick to around a 15 to $20 price tag for me. Depending on the length, of course, I don't. I, th- I think this this aesthetic, this game would do really well as a, like a four or five hour game. Yeah, I right now the prologue is free. So if you're interested in playing it, Hop onto Steam, download it. It's worth the hour that you're going to get out of it. You know, I had fun. I'll tell you that the main character, he's got these little bubbles that pop up because he's talking. And at one point he walks past this like really fancy clothing store and he goes, Mm -hmm. oh, one sock in this place is worth more than my entire outfit. And I was like, yeah, that's that's how I feel every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's just true. So I, I definitely pick this up for... Probably 20 bucks is my max on it. Okay. Now, Joel, you played Neocab. Tell me about it. We, uh, we both played Neocab. Tell me about it. Neocab is... Actually, there's... Did you this, play Neocab? <laughs> no, I didn't play Neocab. Uh, what's Neotab? So, Neotab is really centered around the idea of being a ride-sharing person in a futuristic city as a main protagonist who seems like kind of in a transition point. All the game from what you get through the demo is introduction to the character, which is moving to a big futuristic city to move in with her former best friend and try to establish a life in this space. And getting an introduction to the world at large, which seems to have these sort of warring factions between people who are (laughs) anti-car somehow, and then people who are sort of aligned up with companies, different like organizations and factions. And it's it's really very much probably there are probably similarities between Neocab and Backbone in that it seems very character and story driven. Your I would say don't. I would say damn near noir as well, which this is my favorite. This is my jam. Mm-hmm. The, this the noir genre. I like those books. I like those movies. So playing both of these for me, I was just, I was on board. I was excited. 
it's it's cool to see a ne a neon futuristic bright colors and everyone's wearing like eye laser like Google Glass that's holograms and then it and then it's a murder mystery. It's like oh that's cool. That's probably one of the big stark contrasts between what I saw in Backbone pictures I've seen of it and Neotab is that Neotab is very not necessarily bright because some of the colors feel dulled, but it's it's very colorful and dynamic between your character, the buildings around you the car you're driving even some of the characters based on how you choose them can have very different looks and appeal to them and it's just it's very striking in a way that i enjoy which it was an interesting game because it is just your first person first person mode focusing on your face or your passengers super dialogue heavy uh and uh, they they introduce the game they introduce a, a futuristic mood bracelet yep so you're playing as a as an Uber driver, and you don't actually drive. The mechanic is that you are plate spinning. Uh, you are picking uh, your customers. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that one to me. You have a map in front of you, and you pick your customer. And they, you can actually read their profiles and see how many stars that people have rated them as customers. It's Uber. And th- you're, yes. you're seriously playing Uber. But you're not actually driving. Once you pick them up, you have a conversation choice with them to discuss the world what are they doing how, what are how are you doing and while talking to them you're trying not to piss them off and trying to get a good star rating but also trying to m- deal with your own mood bracelet because you can get real angry and then all of a sudden dialogue choices start getting like you can't choose them anymore because you're too mad or too upset yeah th- this is very much a, a visual novel in that with the branching options so uh, they set the premise for some main story of relationship between you and your friend you're rekindling a relationship with and after they do a little bit of that you jump into that selecting customers to go buy and and try to get jobs on and you have this pretty large map that you can choose to go wherever but your car has an electric power meter that you have to sort of keep track of and decide when you need to go fill up your tank and uh, sort of decide if it's worth the cost of doing it with different customers and each customer that I interact with in the demo you've got different dialogue to try to can try to choose to sort of coax and be agreeable with the person in the car with you or try to have a conversation if you have disagreement and see how it plays out and they actually depending on the mood ring let's call it that <laughs> uh, color <laughs> that it's on it, it can it can block off different paths that you can try to choose to talk so i i'm a lot of times i play these kind of games non-confrontational and trying to tamp down the disagreements but there was one point where they bring you to a spot and somebody just barges in and i was trying to choose the options of like trying to talk them down and basically a funnel means into saying like what the fuck are you doing in my car and you know get out Instead, because <laughs> your character is just like pissed off and aggravated that your friend's not there, and this person just decided to push their way in. And then, just to add another layer, this the way the story goes: your friend gets this is also the first hour, so it's just like the prologue. But the way the story will move forward is that your friend gets kidnapped, and you now don't have a place to stay. So you are trying to balance picking up enough customers so that you can pay for your hotel room and pay for gas and also get these people to talk to you that you're picking up to get enough information to hopefully via the story uh save your kidnapped friend yeah this game is going to be all about the world building and the relationship dynamic between you and the customers you interact with it seems like and even just through this 
demo where they only have you pick up what two or three customers, I believe. Yeah, I, I yes, and there was a couple that I avoided because their star ratings were like three or f- like threes, and the guy had a had like a demon picture instead of like a normal human picture. And oh, I went straight had... towards that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I avoided him. Uh, he, he was an interesting character. <laughs> I will say, cool. I kept at a five rating. I don't know about you. Uh, I, yeah, I kept five. <laughs> so, but I think I think the game will get a little trickier down the road. Obviously. Oh, I, I imagine. But it, it was interesting, and through these characters, they do a good job of world building, even in the just one hour snippet you had, because you did pretty clearly a sense of people being prejudiced against others who have like tech installed on them. So that person that barged in, they they had a bionic arm, but they, he was also a part of this organization that was like rabidly anti-car to the point where like apparently they just go assault people who drive cars but oh of course (laughs) it's just like uh that just makes sense right but here you're sitting with technology on your arm Or, or like one of the rides that i picked up was someone a girl who was part of the other big corporation that sort of owned the city and through the whole ride, she's, like, looking at screens that are being projected from her suit and, and, like, talking as if she's giving you survey questions and you have to sort of talk through the dialogue tree to figure out, like, basically, yep, she's basically doing covert surveillance on you and to get a sense of your profile. And, and I, I convinced her to turn off the suit. Same here. Yeah. yeah. So it's it was interesting in that they, they gave them enough character to where it felt natural. I didn't necessarily feel that at the start, but the more you play, the more you get a sense of the main character's personality. Things sort of felt more natural and made more sense as you're having these conversations with these NPCs that you're choosing to give rights to. The, the last one I had, uh, it was two German guys who were convinced that I was a robot and gave me a quiz to, to find out if I really was a robot or not. Uh, well were you uh they couldn't tell so it kind of was like why did you give me a quiz (laughs) and they just got super confused and then they rated me they're saying man this is some good technology that robot was awesome fair fair uh (laughs) you want to hear about the demon uh yeah sure okay so when you picked up the guy with the demon icon it's basically just a dangly looking uh bald white dude with uh some sort of tattoo on his head and he's making comments about there being sort of a reckoning coming Mm -hmm. and uh i went ahead and asked questions about and found out that apparently in the city there is a giant worm burrowing underneath the city that feeds on the sadness of all the people oh and okay (laughs) i don't know i see the logic uh, Sounds like that guy's but, crazy. Like, so completely you, you crazy. can choose to like have this agreeable conversation with him, where you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally believe you," and and tell me more about this giant demon that's feasting on everybody's sadness. And wait, wait a minute, yeah. isn't that Ghostbusters too? You're Ghostbusters too. <laughs> there wasn't a worm in Ghostbusters too. It was a lake of slime. No, but there was a. But that was made by the demon. I think we're just right. reliving the end of Act 1 of Divinity 2 in different games now. Oh, yeah. Maybe you're right. But, Alex, those German guys, that quiz that they gave you sounds suspiciously like the quiz from Blade Runner. So maybe there's a couple of movie elements in there. Oh, you know, maybe that... We're making we're making all sorts of connections I'm into. Uh, Neocab, Joel, do you think that you'll be moving forward on this one? I know it's coming to Switch in the summer. 
I don't know. I I have to be in the right mood to play something that's so narrative focused and I don't want to call it little gameplay, but it, the interactivity of it very much is just choose which dialogue option and which person you want to interact with. It may, maybe mm -hmm. it, it might be a candidate for something that I try to pin Kelly down and, and sit and play something with. Those always seem to go over better if I have someone to bounce off of to play. Getty, are you going to give this one a shot? I'm not really much to drive an Uber, so I don't know. I think I might. I'm a little bit of a sucker for, obviously, the noir themes, but uh, there was a game called 2064 Read Only Memories, and it was a it was almost like a mix of both of these, where it was super futuristic cyberpunk. Uh, everyone's got lasers in their face, and there's anthropomorphic animals, and it's a point-and-click adventure. Tell you what, you pick it up, I'll come over, I guess we could play it. You tell me which uh, way to go, and I'll pick the options for talking to people. See, now that sounds like a good plan. Look, at the very least, you did a preview of the dystopian hell that we're careening towards right now. Well, us being closer to the city. I don't know about you, Joel. <laughs> very fair. It, it'll come to you last. <laughs> yeah. It's about, anything that comes to Chicago ends up where I'm at about a year and a half, two years. So I've, I've got a good lead time <laughs> to get forewarning about what's coming. Oh, yeah. That explains why you've been complaining about those CBD stores. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, like I said, noir is my jam, and this really hit the spot this week. But I think it's time to take a break and from recover from that overload. We'll come back with some news. back with some news not all the news just the news we want to discuss joel i know you've been itching to talk about this nintendo direct i i've just been itching to hear more about super mario maker 2 uh mm -hmm. super mario maker 1 was something that i got a lot of fun out of uh, not so much making levels because i'm creatively bankrupt but experiencing <laughs> other people's creativity so looking forward to this one, and they, they were sort of uh, keeping their hands close to their vest up to this point, but they sort of unloaded a healthy amount of information. One thing that they already sort of leaned into a bit was that they're going to offer slopes. So like in Mario 3, when you play mm -hmm. it, there are parts where you can you have slopes and you can sort of hold down and slide down, and they didn't have that in Super Mario Maker 1. It was a, a pretty severe absent feature to have. Yeah. So, that yeah. It was a little disappointing for that, and it, so th that's the first thing they featured. But they also, it's too much to go over today, but just a shit ton of different options that you can tweak and, and mess with. Uh, Not if I say them rapid fire, can flood a level with lava or water, scrolling level control, vertical sub areas, giant homing bullet bills, weird, co-op making, so that that could be hectic. Wait, my turn. Custom goals. Go Yoshi's bosses? Story mode. Wait, story mode? They made a story mode. What? Uh, yeah <laughs> night mario levels what is that like what's that so you they, know how they do the, different things you know how there's the angry sun in mario 3 uh, yeah there's a happy moon you can put into a level 
where oh, nice. it'll, it'll sort of flip things on its head and it'll be a nighttime motif. And if you capture the happy moon, it'll kill all the enemies on screen. But then it'll also add new tweets to different levels. So like if it's an ice level, that's what'll turn the ground slippery if it's the moon in there. Or uh, other levels, it'll be upside down and you'll have to sort of navigate while the level's upside down. And, uh, or super gravity. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, four player, so they're finally adopting the new Super Mario Brothers trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, this this was already known, but it's it's gonna be out of June, end of June. Uh, was it? I didn't realize that. It's so soon. Yeah. It is. It is real soon. They they've been real quiet about it. It was kind of surprising, given how. And granted, we use ownership base was almost nothing, but like it was a beloved game, as far as I remember. Uh, I'll add another nice feature. This is something they didn't have in one. You can download levels to your system to take with you if you're going to be offline. Um, I think that came from uh, Smash Brothers with the custom matches, the custom levels. Very possible, but for something like this where it's really critical how much you're able to play at any time, and with Switch being so mobile in nature, it was a really smart thing that you don't necessarily think you'd be guaranteed by Nintendo to think about. It's a good solution to a problem, you know, that they created with the Switch's mobility. Oh, yeah. And I'm still I'm still a little curious how the level creation's going to work out, because the Wii U, you had the TV, and then you had the gamepad with the touchscreen, and you used a stylus on the touchscreen to sort of place things on the map, you're clearly going to have to either do touchscreen while you're holding it mobile, mm-hmm. or maybe using the Joy-Con to have to direct on screen, but they didn't they didn't really elaborate or show too much yet about what that's going to look like. And there's actually a bit of fun of having the actual game on a TV screen while you're tinkering with the level, uh, especially if there's someone in the room sort of witnessing what's happening and like questioning your motives about making a level, but they clearly want some sort of you know, uh, multiplayer in-level creation mode with how they add a co-op, and they know that sitting next to someone and playing it is a way that a lot of people do it. I just wonder, it feels like they're hiding something there, and I'm I'm worried that what they're hiding is that it's going to be sort of a, a really crappy way to make a level. I'm curious. Uh, some of those tiles are very specifically the Mar- like the Mario 3D world and new Super Mario Brothers new and all that all that stuff is just. It just the 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 direct is it's it was 15 minutes and they were speeding through features because like oh we gotta go we gotta go because there's too much in that so I'm I'm relatively interested. Seems exciting. I, I'm sad about the 3D world. I like 3D world. I love 3D world. I just wish they'd port the actual game instead. <laughs> That's true. And uh, somebody pointed out that they showed a screenshot of the menus where you choose the different tile sets and there's a a suspiciously blank spot that's big enough for another tile set next to the 3d world yeah i uh the one theory i thought that seemed the most credible was yoshi's island maybe i could see that um i almost wonder if they go the game boy route with something like uh super mario land 2 yeah okay so, yeah, they, they, they did that with in mario odyssey you can change the camera filters so it made it look like it was a game boy game yeah i, I just want to see that big giant wario <laughs> stopping around yeah well, considering you could put him in the game with Amiibos, right? Yes. Next on the docket, Getty, you are a Final Fantasy VII fan, is that correct? I am. Me too. How'd you know? Joel, Joel you don't care. It doesn't matter. <sighs> Joel kind of uh, cares. It sounds like he might care. <laughs> Just a little bit. I, I don't want to buy this game. I'm probably going to buy it, but I don't want to. 
What, what game are you talking about? Oh, yeah, this game doesn't exist yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're so, talking about the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Go ahead, Getty. Well, for those of you that are following along, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be episodic. So from all of the gameplay content and videos that we've seen, it looks like it's going to follow the events of the first disc, or at least before you escape from the city in the original <laughs> Final Fantasy VII, which... It's a weird tactic for Square, but maybe they're looking to get more money by releasing it in several installments. Either way, uh, it's not coming out for a while. They're slating it for 2020, and from some of the stuff that I was reading, it might not even come out till 2021. It's They haven't been hitting it out of the park lately. I think their last decent game was... <laughs> uh, Tomb Raider didn't do as well as they wanted. As always. Near Near Automata... I think did pretty good, mm-hmm. but I can't, like, I don't think 15 did as well as it did considering that they canceled the last of the DLC. Yeah, they still released a lot of DLC for it. They did. But uh, that, that was what was interesting with the, because the, the reason why we're bringing it up was there was a PlayStation State of Play, and they closed it out with this trailer, Yeah, and the, the combat looks like 15. It does. And if it plays like 15, then I'm completely on board. I have no issues with it. That would be really nice. I, I liked 15's combat. I sent my copy to Joel for him to take a look at as well. I did. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Last package I sent you. Oh. Hmm. Did did he ever get it? He hmm. definitely did. I know he did. Did I get that thing you sent me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's around here somewhere. I have not started it yet because I know that's like a hundred hour endeavor. Yeah. Um, it can if you be. want to platinum, if you want to platinum it, which I think is kind of worth it. If you're just looking for a good a, like playthrough, it's not going to take you 100 hours. You can stream through the main story pretty quickly. Okay. I that that makes me wonder. Do do people care more about just revisiting the story beats of Final Fantasy VII in current gen tech, or do they care about the battle system? Oh, it's com- it's completely the world in 3D. People want to go back and they want to remember all those moments. Trust me, if you've been on the internet and you see all the people hating on Barrett's voice, <laughs> but then there's an equal amount of people that are posting all of these weird uh, pictures of the sweaty dude standing behind Cloud, because you know you're going to get the scene where he dresses in drag, or at least we better. You know, see, Barrett, see, uh, Barrett's, voice, tell you. Barrett's voice was over the top, but that's exactly how I envisioned his voice when I was playing it growing up. Like, I, I thought Mr. T, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> when, when, I, when I read the dialogue, he was written like that, too. Yeah, but that'll tell you, though, what, what Getty was saying. You're finding the internet recreating some of these moments, but no one is saying anything about the combat system, at least from what I've seen. I've seen Twitter all ablaze about Barrett's voice but I have not seen one word against the combat system. Yeah, it looks nice. Oh, and while we're on the topic of Final Fantasy, while I was getting Mm -hmm. ready tonight, I found my copy of Crisis Core, which I was pretty sure that Alex stole, like, five years ago. Absolutely not. Well, here's the proof that you didn't. Also, someone has my Vita. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. It goes both ways, buddy. All right, uh, and then I wanted to bring up in that state of play... Uh, the Monster Hunter expansion, uh, Frostborn. Four new monsters, a moose, a, a giant moose, uh, a bat, a snow shark, and an elder dragon. A moose? Yeah, it was real big. Real big moose. Hmm. But uh, I, I'm excited to get back into Monster Hunter. I've been tinkering with it, going back in. I got to where 
it kind of became unmanageable with some of those monsters in the higher ranked end game. But uh, this would be a real exciting change for me. I would be excited to get back in. Yeah, the end game stuff is, I don't want to say impenetrable because that's not true, but it, it you have to prepare a lot for it. And that's where I dropped off. If, if this stuff is probably more like an extension beyond what the last story missions stuff is, then it's totally up my alley. But if it's something where you have to strategize to the degree you had to with getting to that late game stuff, that that might be a little bit hard-assed for me. But I did like what I saw. Well, supposedly the map is close to the same size, if not bigger, than the, the original game is what uh, you had brought up. I saw the article earlier. Oh, yeah. So that would be really good. And that's crazy. Like, you think about how much was included with the base game. It also makes you wonder what they're going to be charging for this, too. Yeah. I'm, no, it's free. Hmm. It's free. Really? It is. Uh, they have had DLC for every single Monster Hunter, I'm pretty sure. Except for probably some of those older ones, early ones, but it's always been free. Okay. The only thing I would say otherwise is that you might want to temper your enthusiasm to jump in, because usually there's a lag between when PlayStation and Xbox did it, and then when PC gets it. So since we migrated to PC, we might be waiting a bit. You know, that, you know you're, you're not wrong. Um, oh, uh, it's Iceborne, not Frostborne. I got that confused with the Frostmorn from World of Warcraft. Well, it's too late. Now I'm going to be looking out for Frostborn coming to you later this year. And damn it, I just looked it up. It's like it's like forty bucks. Mm-hmm. 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 You done messed Aren't up. I done messed win? up. <laughs> hey, hey, Getty, hey, Getty. I hear yeah. you're a number one Monster Hunter fan. You know, I played with you guys for a little bit, but you played for like thirty seconds. I played a couple of days. That was more than Ramos. That's true. Uh, I heard he didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Woo! Never been a better time to play video games, but there, there was probably a better time to be a Final Fantasy VII fan. It, it was funny mm-hmm. to hear how he bought that, and then he tried to return it, but he was just over the hour limit where he was allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I think it's time for a break. Let's hit it. Logging. Really? We're back, we're back logging. We're back logging. It, it's time for the blog. Yeah. Where we play those games that fell behind the couch when we moved into our new place. Getty, you had recently picked up Into the Breach. In a world much like Pacific Rim, where giant monsters threaten to destroy all that is left of civilization, one man... Well, actually, it's more like a squad of three men, but... Yeah. I picked up Into the Breach, and uh, I enjoy it. Now, Arona, this is more like the Fire Emblem e- example you were looking for last week. Oh, okay. I'm on board now. Well, uh, un- until until Alex actually plays Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem can be whatever we want it to be. Ooh, hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Do- Doki Doki Literature Club. It's just, mm. it's just Fire Emblem. We need to start feeding him false narratives about what Fire Emblem is. And then when he finally gets around to it, what the hell is this? The Demon King was your dad! <laughs> Sorry, mm. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. Now I'm just thinking about when he told you to stay through the credits of Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, tell me about End of the Breach. Okay, uh, 
real-time strategy. You got a squad of three mechs, and each one is unique, and you get a pilot for each one of the mechs. At the start of the game, it's pre-made, your squad, and you get dropped into a combat situation. So, a little bit of backstory. You are trying to save the world through some type of elaborate time travel scheme. You have to go from island to island, protecting the cities, and eventually getting to the end where you attempt to save the world. What I liked about this game is each combat scenario is just a, a grid. It's just a grid board that looks like a chessboard, and you pick where you drop your mechs, and then you drop them down, and then you see the Godzilla monsters come out of the ground or fly onto the map. And it's it's all just it's very strategic. It's very okay. I gotta predict, and the game shows you the path of the creatures and where where they're going to do next, what their next move is. So you can shift and move and block, shove them out of the way so that they're not gonna hit a building, or block them so they don't kill one of your mechs. It, it's a it's a lot of interesting mechanics all on this little chessboard. And most times, the winning goal isn't to isn't to kill them all. It's just to survive this amount of turns or protect this nuclear reactor for six turns. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're each each map has several different sections, like you're looking at uh, top down on a, a map, and each one of those is a level. And from there, you have the last six or so rounds, like you said. And then there's the primary goal, which is trying not to get your mechs killed, pilot killed, and keep the power grid from getting hit. The power grid sort of acts as a primary life bar that you have to maintain and keep up if you want to survive to the next round. Whereas each of your mechs have different life bars too, and then if you lose all the life of a mech, the pilot in it dies and gets controlled by AI, which isn't at its face a big deal, but a lot of the human mechs will have perks assigned to them. So you're kind of disincentivized from killing your pilots unless you really have to. And through each of these rounds, on its face of it, you're thinking, well, the goal's pretty simple. I want to kill the the bud creature things and keep the... They're called Vex. The what? Vex. 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 The Vex. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) You want to kill the Vex, but really it's just as much about damage prevention. And as you will hit these enemies, they will be bumped to the side a lot of times. And like you said, Alex, they telegraph their moves before you start your turn. And that gives you a sense of the sort of chess at play where you could focus down on one of them and probably kill one or two of them in a turn, but then most likely there's going to be one or two other buds on screen that are going to make a hit on the power grid that's going to whittle down that overall health. Yeah, and uh, along with all of that, it's it's just a, a funny uh, time travel mechanic throughout the game that uh, if you were to go through the map, you pick an island and you go through each of these missions, if you lose, they will tell you, okay, quick, go back in time and try again, and then you start from the beginning. Yeah, but, you know, you can also travel back in time on your turn if you screw up stuff bad enough. Once per map, is that correct? Yeah. But you can still try. But in my experience, a lot of the times it's already too late. You've already screwed up something pretty fierce. I just like that idea. I was like, well, shit's fucked. Go back and try it again. I, I actually heard stories of people taking photos of their game board and where they're currently at and posting it online. And then someone just, like, people commenting back, move this piece to the left, too, and move your guy to the right here. And, like, people just be long list, like, no, don't do that, do this, do that. You know, it's just like <laughs> side, uh, it was a side coaching. Mm-hmm. Actually, like a game of chess. Yeah. Yeah. So it become, it, it's pretty fun. 
the the way the ways you can play even just having an audience you know what i mean but i found the times the runs where i was most successful was when i was using the mechs to bump the vex into spots where they showed that new vex were going to appear and uh, then from yeah. there what happens is that once your turn ends all the vex make their moves it's going to show you the order of operation of who's going to go first and you can sort of line them up if you hit them right where one vex might hit another on screen instead of hitting the building they were going to and kill them off or you bumped a vex to a spot where a new vex was supposed to spawn and by doing that the vex that was supposed to spawn gets blocked from coming out and the vex that is on top of it got damaged by the the recoil and it's just really playing that chain of operations is the most successful way to get through it because each time that you don't block new vets from coming you could go from having three to four to six or seven and, and just totally overwhelm you in it and, and it creates an impossible situation if you let it accumulate like that yeah your goal is not to kill everything you got to try and place those vex in a position where they're going to deal damage to themselves because to joel's point you don't want to kill your pilots they're very important and you get to take one back in time with you when you reset the game and of course you can purchase new upgrades that you can assign per energy uh these are the guys who made ftl the faster than light uh game that was on pc but also came to ipad and i don't know have you guys ever played that one no that's a blind spot for me but if you were to play it you would see where this game come came from you are a ship that has compartments for different things oxygen power shields weapons and you have to have crewmen in each of those rooms and there's doors you know that you can open and close for these areas and you are uh there's a big grid map you pick a point on the map your ship goes there and it could be a combat scenario or it could be someone needing help or someone wanting to trade with you but if it's a combat scenario they just show you a big thing of your your ship your layout and you're firing at the enemy and you're moving power from shields to the weapons and moving that back and forth and say they hit your oxygen room and it's on fire then you'll see all of the oxygen in your ship start to go down and you have to manage what do i do and so you could open the bay doors so that uh like open it to space and close all the other doors so that it the oxygen removes from that room and suffocates the fire and then have someone go repair the oxygen room and then open like you know so it's very strategic very planning very okay go here go there and the the equipment and upgrades are this very similar to this where you have a certain amount of power and when you buy say new missiles or robot helpers or new crew they will take slots of power or you know necessity that you have to plan out and every once you get you can't you have to try to get to the end but if you die back to it now you unlock some new ships and new crewmen try again it's it's all it's it's a lot of fun sounds really exhausting (laughs) enter the breach is real exhausting to me too yeah well there's there's just a couple other points that i wanted to touch on really quick yeah i don't know if you guys have gotten the opportunity to opportunity to but you can unlock other squads of mechs but in order to do that you have to complete the achievements in the game which prove to be terrible I like a I like a game with in-game achievements. Most people rely on like, you know, trophies from PlayStation or something like that, but oh yeah, don't get me wrong, but some of them are just completely insane. If you unlock the second squad, one of the guys, he can use a tractor beam to pull things forward. Mm-hmm. One of them is kill a vex by tractor beaming it into you. <laughs> okay. Okay, I like that. To understand the future, we have to go back in time. 
Is that is that a is that a Huey Lewis in the news reference? I was going with Pitbull there, but oh, okay. It's always back to Pitbull. Yeah, Men in Black. Since every time you're gonna lose, you have to go back into. Oh, come on. <laughs> now if I have to explain it, it doesn't work you as know, well. I, if I could turn back time. Speaking of time. Uh, <laughs> if only I could find a way. Um, Speaking of time. <laughs> trying to get us out of here. No. Yeah. Wow, I want to stay right here and wallow in it. Speaking of time, it is time for my favorite segment, Indie or Outie, where I quiz my co-hosts on whether this is an indie game or something else. This week is Indie Game or Etsy Store. Ooh. You guys got your pen and papers ready? Mm. No. Okay, I'll take I'll take tallies. Wait, wait, I need pen and paper. No, I got tallies. I got tallies. I'm ready. <laughs> oh. Uh, crap, we're, we're in a contest. Okay. All yep, right. here we go. Here we go. Junk FX. Etsy Store? Etsy Store. Or Indie Game? Indie game. Okay, Getty gets that point. <sighs> yeah. Junk FX is an Etsy store. That that trick. I, I was thinking Stunt Racer FX. That's that's on. I threw. I picked these very specifically. Right. Uh, contrary. Hmm. Indie game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go indie game as well. Wrong. <sighs> Etsy store. Star stealing prince. Seems like a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go indie game. Uh, Etsy store. Etsy store. Okay, so uh, Star Ceiling Prince is an indie game. Oh, God damn it! Um, yes. Getty's two up, man. Okay, Jamestown. That's an indie game. Etsy store. Uh, Joel got the point. It is an indie game. <laughs> I played that one. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> it's a top-down shooter. <laughs> oh, I never heard of that one. Uh, Aquaria. Uh, uh, Aquaria. Aqu- Aquaria, yeah. Do you say aqua diarrhea? No. Aquafina. <laughs> I like that rapper. That, that's a person. Yeah. Okay, Aquaria. Mm. Etsy store. I'm gonna also choose Etsy store. Both wrong. It's a game. Wow. Well. Yum heart. <laughs> that's that's it's, not, it's for sure an Etsy store. Real. You're making names up. <laughs> Yum heart. Joel, what is your vote? Etsy store. Yep. Okay. There we go. There we go. Two to three. Boy-girl party. <laughs> indie game. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to go indie as well. Both wrong. It's oh. a story. <laughs> really? these, I, sounds, I picked these on purpose. That sounds dumb enough to be an indie game name. Uh. I picked these on purpose. They made me laugh. Oh, here's a fun one. Foxhole. Indie game. He used this one last time, I swear. Indie game. It? Okay. I'll have to change these up then. Uh, you guys both got that one. It was an indie game. Uh, Starflight. Indie game. Etsy store. That is an indie game. Yeah. You see, I I feel like I have to vote against Daddy on some of these just to take a chance to go one up. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Epicurious. Etsy store. Etsy store. Okay, and you both get the point. Luna Savita. Indie hmm. game. I'm gonna go indie game as well. 
That is an Etsy store. Oh. Okay, let's knock out these last ones. Rain World. Indie game. Yep. I like that game. I might talk about it at one day. Sexy Brutale. In, uh, Etsy store. Indie game. Joel with the point on that yes. one. That is one I oh. am... That's on my wish list. That's going to be on this podcast at some point. Okay, two more. Wild Eternal. Wild Eternal. Etsy store. Yeah, Etsy store. Both wrong. Oh. And Joel, your chance for a tie. Oxigami. Etsy store. Indie game. And Getty clinches it. Ah. Is it an Etsy store? <laughs> I may purchase stuff from Etsy now and then. <laughs> Eight to six. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. Let's go back to indie bands. I, uh, I did a little better there. <laughs> I could come up with more. These are pretty good. I like mm-hmm. these. some of these games. This was rough. Yeah. All right, so my favorite. That was my favorite little game show. But uh, we're going to transition into our review of Metal Gear Kevin, Solid Hartwig. We at Super GG Radio had our friend Kevin Hartwig start to stream all of the Metal Gear Solids. Minus, was it? Peace Walker, or Peace Walker, Peace Walker, yeah. Peace Walker, no Metal Gear Acid. Uh, yeah. But uh, he's going to be streaming it on our Twitch, and he is doing it Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays uh, for roughly around two, maybe th- sometimes three hours. Uh, first episode in the can, and we it is on our YouTube channel. First two episodes are on our YouTube channel. Oh, like episodes. Yes, <laughs> I like that. A lot of fun to hear his instant frustration with this game, guys. We've all been there with that learning curve. I, I know I have. I was going to say, it, I feel it, like I went through it quicker, but there was nobody watching me, so there's no evidence. So yeah, I went through it a lot quicker than he did. <laughs> nah, nah, man. When there's context-sensitive buttons presses, you know, if you're moving just a little bit, you throw somebody instead of choking them. You're ducking up and down and moving all around. It's, it's, and the shooting. The shooting is awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He got to the point where you have to use the Nikita to shoot the, uh, oh, yeah. the missiles down the lane. And he, the first couple of times after he blew it up, he, he'd shot it and just went left, right, down, left, right, down, left, right, down to make it go slow the whole time to just try to get farther down. And then he died because he ran out of oxygen. He wouldn't go back for oxygen. <laughs> He's a dedicated man. Yeah. Uh, he picked up Revolver Ocelot relatively quick. That fight went super short. Vulcan Raven, not so much. Let me tell you, he didn't go back for the mind detector. I think that's a mistake. He crawled the whole way, which is definitely like, I didn't think of that. I think so, if, if you crawl, you pick up mines as you crawl, right? You do. Okay. I thought I remembered right. But it was pretty funny to see him figure it out and puzzle it out. Right before that, though, the laser room. Getty, did you watch any of this? I have not. So he realized when he's trying to figure out the laser room to get to where Vulcan Raven is, he figured out that the door ahead of him was the same key code as uh, his key card that he had. So he figured that if he hit the lasers, the poison would trip and he could just open the door with his key card. So he goes, well, screw it. And he runs through the lasers, doesn't even get touched doesn't get touched and he's super pumped about it and he goes i i swear my plan was to hit the lasers and then i can use my key card like so walks into the laser and of course that doesn't work and he gets killed because of the poison gas (laughs) (laughs) so he so he ran through them with zero issue and still went back to trip the lasers to prove a point it sounds 
Yeah, it sounds like Kevin. <laughs> he was pretty good. Uh, Gray Fox, a ninja cyborg, controller issues that were had, but uh, it was it was fun to see him tinker around and try different combat maneuvers. Some stuff that uh, I didn't realize you could do. Uh, Joel, right? You didn't you didn't know that you could use the chaff grenades on him? No, that surprised me. I I took the verbal cues from gray fox that he wanted to fight you in hand-to-hand combat but i never i never connected the dots that he was a cyborg ninja and never really thought to use a chaff grenade it was fun to see him blow all his ammo though trying at first Hmm. for like a while it was good i think he's going to continue that series tomorrow uh around 8 p.m and go to around 10 10 30 so it'll be a lot of fun we are all in discord with him while he's playing so we're throwing commentary here and there giving some advice apparently that back of the disc really tripped him up for about 20 minutes who would ever get tripped up by that not me it's almost like the creator didn't plan for the future (laughs) of course not I, I think when I did it, I, I didn't, I think my brother showed me because I absolutely couldn't figure that out as well, even having the disc. But overall, I think that'll be a lot more fun to watch and chime in on. Some of our guests uh, that we've had on the show or talked about will also be joining the Discord just to comment on the proceedings. So I'm excited for more of Metal Gear Kevin, Solid Hartwig. That will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. I will be out for the next two episodes due to last-minute vacation plans, but rest assured, my spot will be in good hands. Or with whatever hobo Joel hires on the street for a couple of bucks and a bottle of Mad Dog 2020. It'll take at least two bottles. So what, four fifty? Uh, don't get too comfortable, Alex. <laughs> Alex who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You plan on replacing me? Oh, we'll see how it goes. I'll listen from the sidelines. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at SuperGGRadio and Twitch.tv slash SuperGGRadio, where a friend of the podcast, Steve Dvorak, will be playing some Bulletstorm. I believe he's up there hosting right now, trying something, some game out uh, for uh, PlayStation Plus. And also, like I said, Metal Gear Kevin rages on, the schedule being Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I think that we may see some good, some good combat in the next couple of days. I'm curious, he's using a PC version of Metal Gear Solid I don't know how he's going to work on some of those meta gaming moments, but we'll see. Psycho Mantis? He doesn't know about him yet. Damn it, Daddy. Oh, nice. But he will. Yeah, he'll figure it out real quick. Or not. Or not. <laughs> if you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening, and good game, guys. GG. Press F for Alex. <laughs> <laughs>